0: This is Betsy Rippentrop, and you are listening to the Tend Her Wild podcast. In a moment, I will be joined by my lovely co-host, Kate Moreland. In this podcast, we are having lots of conversations about how we women have been conditioned to lose connection to our inner voice and our inner knowing, and how the time has come for us to rewild. Rewilding is a return to one's natural essence. We all know how to rewild but it does mean breaking through old stories and all the ways we've been civilized. Having a community of others doing the same is essential. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the meaning behind the name of our podcast, Tend Her Wild, which comes from two experiences that Kate and I had jointly together. Hi, Kate. Hello, Betsy. So should we dive first into where tend her came from.
1: Yes. In fact, I was where we're sitting right now, I think there was a little bit of a a birth. Uh,
0: yes, there right? was a major birth. And you've been connected with this project through me this entire time because really what it came out of is a presentation you and I did for the Chamber of Commerce right before COVID started and we were talking about the impact of COVID. And so I did my due diligence work, as every good researcher does, and wanted to look at the data. Um, actually, no, I'm going to go backwards. We did the pre-COVID, the day before the world shut down, we talked about work-life balance with the chamber. Yeah, and well-being. And well-being. The importance of that. And then about nine months, 12 months into it, we did another Zoom call. On mindfulness. On mindfulness. For leaders in our community. And during that, I'd done all this research about what is COVID doing to our mental health. Yes. And what I found out is there were two groups that seemed to have the most difficulty during the COVID, the first 12 months of COVID. It happened to be women with children. Yes. And it happened to be young people ages 18 to 24. Well, then someone came into my life synchronistically who had a bunch of grant money from the state of Iowa for helping mental health issues related to COVID? And I told her the research. I was like, you know, women and young people, these are the two groups that have really struggled. And she said to me, well, do you want to do a project? Why don't you write me a proposal? So very quickly, I wrote a proposal for teaching women self compassion and you were one of the first people that I ran this
1: idea by. Yeah, I remember being in here and and uh talking about the need and and you know, would would women show up? Would women them, show for up for themselves? Right. So I wrote this grant, I got the grant,
0: and part of what i budgeted for was a big chunk of money going towards facebook ads because we knew we have to reach women we want to reach women we want to teach them about self-compassion we want to give them an experience and we also want to send them this like beautiful box at the end of this program because women are often the givers and not the receivers and we want to teach them about receiving and um So I had all this money budgeted for Facebook ads. I literally put one post out on my personal page that I was doing this free program for women. And within six hours, 500 women had showed up, which is what the grant was for.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. It was crazy. It just literally told us there is such a need and and women were were drawn to coming together to try to figure out what was happening. I had so so much uncertainty at that time. It was the summer of 2021. Yeah. So I went back to the grant
0: people, because I was like, six hours, we have 500 women. And bless them, they said, we'll give you some more money. Mm -hmm. So they said, we'll give you money for 1,000 women. And so then in five more days... A thousand women. A thousand women. So I did not, I ran, I put up two personal Facebook posts. That's it. I never used the budget for any Facebook ads. So what we realized is that women were talking to women and women were all suffering and saying, Hey do this with me or try this or let's engage in this. So we did, we did, you know, these five weeks of content on self-compassion and you were part of the programming. And then what we started to see is that women kept wanting to connect and talk and post on our Facebook page. And we just both became very clear on how women need a space to come together um, because we've been suffering.
1: Yeah, really a space where they felt safe and not alone in how they were feeling. Um, sharing, I, a lot of people were sharing poetry and resources and books and things they were finding comfort in. But at the same time, I think for women, community is so incredibly important. So I, I really believe we were affected more by COVID because of the isolation. Yeah. Yeah. And we seek and, and need that community to a greater degree than perhaps men. Uh, And so it it impacted us more. You bet. You bet. So after
0: we ended this five-week program, you and I had many conversations about how do we keep this going or how do we continue to serve these women or how do we um, continue to nurture this community? But we put it on the back burner because we had other things going on and we had this big trip coming up. So I was teaching a yoga retreat in
1: Iceland. Yeah. And, and I actually wasn't going to go. Right. I had followed you. We went, I did a yoga retreat with you in Italy a few years ago. It was life changing. But I had a lot of guilt about being gone <clears throat> at that time. And the, the opportunity came up and, and, um, I don't know, I hesitated, but I was turning 50 and my husband, uh, bought it for me (laughs) without me knowing. Um, And so then I found out I was going about a month before the trip too. And the timing and how amazing, uh, just the opportunity, you know, it just taught, you know, it's another reminder when things come up that feel right, say yes. Yeah. We all, you know, there's a million reasons not to do things and not to say yes, but when you really feel it in your gut, There's a reason that you're drawn to something. And so I'm so grateful to him for.
0: Yay, Joe. Yay. Yes. So this was a profound week for both of us. And uh, we're going to talk today about how the wilds of Iceland actually prompted Really the start of this podcast. So we had done Tend Her. We'd seen the power of compassion and tenderness and bringing women together. And then we had this totally wild experience in Iceland. Yes.
1: Like a place I've never, I couldn't even dream up, honestly. And until you experience it, it's really hard to, to describe. Yeah. In fact, I found
0: a meme on it. I don't know if you've seen this, but I'm going to read it because it's really... Perfectly. It says the problem with driving around Iceland, this is Stephen Markley saying this. The problem with driving around Iceland is that you're basically confronted by a new soul enriching, breathtaking, life affirming natural sight every five goddamn minutes. It's totally exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's such a good way to put it. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And the land really tells the story of yeah. the place. Um I, I found it, yeah, I found that it brought out a side of me and um, that I kind of had lost, to be quite honest. It's not an easy place. It's not an you easy place. You have to kind of want it. You have to work for it. Um, And, it, you know, it, it takes you to a new level of kind of courage that um, it's, I, I don't know, it's been a long time since I felt like the challenge of that kind of, kind of
0: thing? Well, I've always been aware that uh, seekers, and I definitely think both you yes. and I are seekers, that they typically, if you read about um, various people who've been on this seeking path, they often tend to go into the wilderness to receive guide, guidance and insight. And if you think of that wor- word wilderness, it starts with wild. So you have to go into the wild I think the sacred is in the wild. The mystery is in the wild.
1: And nature itself.
0: Nature, right? right, Connects us to
1: our innate self. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so do you want to talk about kind of landing and and our first impression, I guess? Yeah. We we, we went at separate times. Um, You were there a day early, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, so I think before any of the yoga students actually arrived, I went to land and just try to get my bearings and my grounding. And I met Andreas, our host who owned the yoga space and owned all the different apartments where our group stayed. And Andreas, the first day, um I thought he was Icelandic, and then as he and I started to talk, he explained to me that he was actually Swiss. And I was very fascinated because I've been to Switzerland many times and I actually think Switzerland might be one of my favorite countries that I've ever visited. And it's so pristinely beautiful that I was a little confused. Like, why would someone ever leave Switzerland? And so I got into a conversation with Andreas about this and he explained to me, he's like, yes, uh, Switzerland is one of the most beautiful places on earth. But as soon as I came to Iceland, he felt very called I guess his brother had been on his honeymoon to Iceland and come back with pictures, and so Andreas knew after he saw these pictures, "I have to go to this place. I have to see this place." And when he got to um, Iceland, he was drawn clearly into all of the beauty. But the reason he told me he stayed is because it's wild. Yeah, and he told me he's a this man. Andreas is quite a seeker, quite a spiritual student. And he said to me, "Iceland is the perfect place for spiritual growth because it pushes all your buttons." Oh, it definitely. He, he said the weather, like the extremes of light. So in the summer they have you know twenty-two hours of light. In the winter they have like six hours of light. The ruggedness of it. He said it pushes all of your buttons. So he said it's been a perfect place for me to grow spiritually. And I think in comparison to Switzerland, which is very. You know, there's a lot of... It's very straight and narrow. It's very clean. It's very tidy. It's easy. It's easy. It's and easy. Iceland is not easy.
1: It is not easy. So it is It is fascinating that he chose to provide, you know, to, not just to move there, but to, to share it with the world by providing these, the, the yoga studio and in the hills uh, of northern Iceland. So for us, getting there was not just landing in Reykjavik. It was taking a car to the small regional airport, teeny tiny, and then getting on a small plane heading north. We were as far north uh, a city as you could go. Um, I think, I want to say we were 40 miles from the the northern tip of, of Iceland. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. So it was um, being able to kind of see the country, by air and by car, immediately, I was like, where am I? It's like
0: another planet. It,
1: it is. It really is. Um, just the vastness of it. And and like your quote said, it you look one way, and it's waterfalls and green. And the next way, and there's snow-capped mountains and lava rock. And <clears throat> I think the light and dark is such a great way to try to describe it. And we were there at a really unusual time because it was in End of September. September, but it snowed bef- right when we you know in the first few days, and so the green was still green, but the snow butted against that <laughs> up against that, and it was um, striking, and even locals said this is very rare to see both at the same time like this um, so yeah, from the beginning i there were I, it felt magnetic to me yeah
0: you're sort of in awe all the yeah. time. Okay, so our, one of our first events or outings that we did is we went to this island, Hersey Island, it's called, and it's supposed to have like energetic vortexes. It's a very sort of magical island. People um, often when Andres takes a group there, they spend a lot ta- a lot of time meditating at certain points on the island, and we got there, <laughs> and it was driving windy rainy experience so tell me what that was like for you talk about the extremes oh
1: it extremes is exactly what it was and we had to take a boat to the island obviously and um it was pouring rain and I don't know how windy probably 40 mile an hour winds um the boat was rocky and you're like we're gonna do we're gonna hike um and I think this was my first realization that This is not, I mean, yoga, right, in a safe space and, you know, there's a, there's, I I knew what to expect from yoga, right? This was like this juxtaposition of, but we're also going to do these adventures that are not going to be easy. Or comfortable. Or comfortable. So we landed on that island and basically we all looked at each other like, is there shelter? (laughs) Is there somewhere we should be going? And he's like, okay, let's go. And we started off on this hike. I think it was two miles, yeah. which, you know, not a long hike, but in driving rain. I mean, I, we had our heads down for a lot of it. I think there was some swearing. Uh, but it was also beautiful amidst, you know, this incredibly awful weather um, that, that clearly locals are like, that's, that's just the day we're having. We're still going to do it. So it actually was a great way to start the trip because I think it kind of gave us um, a little shot in the arm of, you know, you can do this. The whole idea of doing hard things like we just did it and we were soaking wet um, and and saw amazing, um, like you said, those vortex areas throughout the the hike where we would stop and the, the rain would be hitting us and we would try to experience it. Tiny houses just nestled in the the hills of that island, Um, it's such a, it was just such a, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, it was just such a magical but also hard first experience that I think it set us up for the rest of the week. Yeah, and I remember I had kind of presented
0: the theme for the week, which Kate knows this, I spend a lot of time preparing for these retreats. And then inevitably I get to the location and then I throw all my notes out the window and and tune into the energy. Like when we went to Italy, I had a completely different theme. And then I read this book on the way there about the surrender experiment. So our whole week in Italy was surrender. So going to Iceland, my theme was going to be magic, like the magic of travel and new experiences. And we got there. And after that first conversation with Andreas, I was like, oh, I think the theme has to be wild. So I'd already set the theme of like, we're going to rewild this week, which is about coming back to our true essence, which truly is what yoga essentially helps us do is find our essence and settle into our essence. Um, But I didn't know that was going to be my theme until I got there. But I had presented that theme. And so I remember what I was doing that windy hike. And by the way, I freaking hate wind. I've always hated wind. My constitution does not deal well with wind. It makes me anxious. It makes me overwhelmed. But because I'd already kind of soaked into this idea of like, we're going to be wild this week. We're going to be in the wilds of nature. We're going to experience wild things. We're going to be pushed to our edge points. I was so, like I was, a, I was the last one in the crew yeah. and I was so exhilarated by it. Like I've never been exhilarated by wind and rain. Like I avoid it at all cost. And I, and and by the way, I'd bought these new like hiking boots, which I, they were expensive. So I could have sworn they were going to be waterproof. No, they were not. They were not. My My feet were soaked. My socks were soaked. But I was exhilarated because of that idea of like this is wild Betsy and like embrace it move into it don't be scared of it and so I had like the best time but I don't know if the whole group had the
1: best time I, I don't either but you had in some ways you kind of had to surrender to it too and 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 embrace what was happening um, That I remember thinking that like, because I was looking down and trying not to get pelted and then I'm like I can't miss this I can't miss this amazing red house that just sits nestled up here who lives there and you know you 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 had to kind of open your eyes and i just kept thinking oh we would at, at home we would we would literally everything would have been canceled yeah we would not be outside right now we would not, would, be, outside we would right not be outside right now so you're right you would set the tone in the morning for being wild and rewilding and this first experience just said welcome to Iceland here we go folks fasten your seatbelts yeah and then we 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 ended up in this beautiful little restaurant that was locally owned they they served fresh cod there was this
0: amazing herbal (gasps) crust on it with herbs from the island the
1: island the people were wonderful and um it was so warm after being out in the elements and but we were kind of wet, you know, soaked to the bone, but, um, you enjoyed that meal and that experience so much more because of how hard you had to work together. Yes.
0: So the extremes. And I think that's was such a lesson is that, you know, there are so many extremes, like Andrea said, it pushes your spiritual buttons, but really all of life has extreme and it is in the extremes that we grow and then we can really enjoy. Like So because it was such a wet hike, the warmth of that cafe and the food, we just, we relished every bite. Um, but I think all of us were really awake. Whereas in life, we can get super numbed out. And so we we don't really we don't lean enjoy. into the extremes.
1: Yeah. We don't. Yeah. So much growth that week. Just being... In that yeah, space. so what else was like a wild
0: experience? So as you look back on everything that we did, I, I have a couple things that I'll share, but I'm really curious, like what are the wild moments that stood out for you?
1: The two big ones for me, the first was um, talking about the weather. We woke up one morning, I was in a little apartment, and maybe I'll tell this story first. I, I got placed with three amazing women in their 70s. I was turning 50. Another woman there had been gifted the trip for her 70th birthday. And so the four of us were in this beautiful little apartment. And early on, I am like, we're kind of like the golden girls. You know, I'm like Sophia, but I'm younger. <laughs> <laughs> and and they were just rich with, like, advice and life experience. And I literally just soaked in their knowledge all week. It was, for me, exactly where I needed to be and who I needed to be with. So that was tremendous. Um, But the four of us woke up one morning and it was a blizzard. It had been beautiful and maybe 50 the day before, and now it was a blizzard. And the bus sent a note saying, we cannot come pick you up. The roads are too bad. So find your way down to this little area to get picked up. And we're like, okay. So we, you know, threw on all of our gear and we started walking. It was slippery snow, um, beautiful snow. And, again, remember, it's September, right? So, like, I'm not even mentally ready for snow, but here it is. It's like
0: 80 degrees where we're coming from, right. where we've flown from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we navigated our ways. We got lost. We um, we went too far and then had to come back down a great big hill where we practically slid to where the bus was. We were laughing, and um, it was... You just, and you realize that people in the town, there there were kids walking to school, throwing snowballs, just, they just go with it, right? There's no, you know, everything's called off. They just find a different way to get there a different way, you know, it throws, it throws a, you know, a wrench into maybe what you planned, but there's something about the people there where they don't get excited about it. It's just, they get used to the extreme changes and they adapt. They're resilient. So resilient. So that morning was was very memorable. It was a very, very hard, but um, but very um, wild experience trying to get where we needed to go. And then the other one was our horseback riding days mm. day. And I we had a choice whether we wanted to do whale watching or horseback riding. And you and I both changed at the last minute. Yes, because
0: I fell off a horse. The only time I'd ever been on a horse was at age seven at my dad's company picnic and the horse took off and I fell off of it. So I've always been terrified of horses. So I was like, I think I'll go see the whales. And then I realized, no, you're on this wild week. You better go do the thing that terrifies you. So I got on a massive Icelandic horse.
1: And for me, I was, you know, I grew up my early years on a farm where I rode a horse a lot, but then hadn't really since maybe once in my life, but, but really got away from from being on a horse. So for me too, it kind of took me back to something that I probably used to love and just forgot about. Um, But that experience of, again, they were like, you know, here's your horse, hop on. There wasn't a lot of fanfare. There wasn't a lot of training. There wasn't, you're just, you're just on the horse and here we go. And um, that's
0: true. They gave us no no. instruction. They just put us on these massive animals. And
1: I mean, in America, we would have signed waivers and, you know, they were there would have been a tutorial and, you know, all sorts of instructions. And I loved how it was just, you know, here's your beautiful horse. Enjoy the scenery. And um, yeah. And looking back, that's again when it had snowed the day before. And so the green and the snow. And that I'll always remember that image of um, how beautiful that was, from the vantage point of being on this wild horse, and these um, Icelandic horses that are only oh, in yeah. Iceland. yes. yeah. Amazing.
0: I remember I was so anxious and I was clenching my butt so much (laughs) because I was so anxious and my horse could totally feel it because it was not following and it was, you know, getting off course. And and I kept being, I knew I was doing, it's the same clinch that I do at the dentist office. And I was like, Betsy, like unclench, come on, unclench. You're a yogi, you can do this. And when I could like consciously relax my pelvis, the horse was like so different. It was such a huge lesson for me. Yeah.
1: Well, and I I remember watching you because we kind of followed each other at one point, and our comf- both our comfort levels, you know, got so much. We were much more comfortable toward the end, and I think we even videoed at the end, and we were like, okay, we're, you know, we can do this, and yeah, like, you know, it. So yeah, your confidence grew, and the horses are so in tune with people. Even there, it's it's it was. It was very fascinating to kind of watch and and to watch other people in the group kind of navigate their fear, um, because some people were uncomfortable, for sure. And um, again, you just these experiences just kind of teach you to lean into these challenging.
0: And do you remember how exhilarating you felt at the end? I remember oh. we got off and they had like tea and cake for us, and I was like, I did it! I rode a horse. Yes. This
1: is unbelievable. Yeah, it it really yeah it was. It was a life changing experience, for sure. Um, so those were my my two real wild, and then and then of course the day we did our hypnosis for me was
0: can I tell about that because sure. that's my massive that was the most wild lesson for me. So this was a day that we were at the yoga studio, and Andreas is married and has these two young children, a son maybe eight or nine, and then the daughter was maybe four or five. Mm-hmm. And from the first moment we were in this yoga studio, the kids were just like wild and running through it and making noise and, and so beautiful and so exuberant. And our whole group was very drawn to these kids. And the kids, you know, were very interested in our group because I think many people were paying a lot of attention to them. Well, this was partway through the week and we had come back in the afternoon to the studio and we were going to do some like smaller group sort of experiences. And I was going to do a hypnosis session, whereas the other yoga teacher there with us was going to do some more private yoga work. And so the little girl, the four or five year old girl, her name was Una. Mm -hmm. She was she had fallen for one of our participants named Leslie and Leslie was always playing with her and joking with her and you know having fun with her but Leslie had decided she wanted to do this um hypnosis session well Una who doesn't even speak English she speaks Icelandic and I think Swiss she followed us into the hypnosis room and I knew right away I'm like okay we need silence we need quiet So I said, Una, I'm going to help you find your mama. And I walked all over the space, and I couldn't find her mom. And so I found her these coloring pages, and she was sitting right outside of the door where we were doing our session. So I've done, like, the hypnotic induction. Everyone's in these, like, zero-gravity chairs, and everyone's getting relaxed. And I hear the door open, and in comes Una. And she's got this like big smile on her face. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, don't laugh, Una. Don't laugh. They're just in the place. Like I finally have them relaxed. So I put my finger up to my mouth, just like the shh sign. And she kind of looks at me with these big eyes. And she comes and she sits down right next to me. And that little girl, literally, she had these two papers that she had been coloring outside the door. She was holding on to these two papers. And she sat next to me, like, so silently. A couple times I would, like, rub her back. And she just kind of knew, which to me was amazing as a four-year-old, that she just kind of sensed the energy, and she sat there very calmly. And after about – she sat there with me 10 or 15 minutes. The session was over. I brought you guys out of sort of this deep relaxation, hypnotic state – and right away she's got these two pictures and she goes and she hands one, one to to Leslie the woman she had this you know kind of funny connection bond with
1: and she handed one to you yeah yeah and i <clears throat> i told you later i mean it was it was like a little messenger kind of coming to me after i'd been in this deep hypnotic state and i was thinking about kind of had a have a decision to make and there were two choices in my mind like you know and and I, that was kind of my work that week was to process you know what is it i want next and and um and so i i i came out of it and she hands me this paper and it's literally there's a line down the middle of the paper and on one side of the line there's just hearts everywhere and then the other side is blank. And to me, I immediately thought, okay, this is the message in this is follow your heart. Your heart, you know, one of these ways is clearly where your heart is, and, and, and that's the answer. And she just gave me a big smile and was on her way. But this little girl was, um, and then I, I enjoyed the rest of the week kind of talking, you know, with being around her and being in her presence. She's, I mean, she was just an amazing Per, little person honestly um, and she was so wild so wild I, I I noticed that we talked about this the parenting there is so different we I, I think about how I parented my my kids and right we're always like Shh, this is a place to be quiet um you know don't be too much don't be too loud don't don't mess anything up like the, you know there were we we parent uh, I think a lot of the American way to parent is to kind of Keep kids small, yeah. Um, unless they're in the right, unless they're in the right place. But when you're around adults, right? But in Iceland, there's a there's a sentiment that children are Just meant free. to be heard and free, so free. Restaurants, um, they 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 are as much a part of the conversation, the um the experiences as the adults. And and I was struck by how that upbringing for someone like her and her brother will make them adults that are not afraid to take risk and that um that have that wild nature Um, and i actually got to meet their uncle at lunch i sat by him he was in town just for the day so he was in his 20s and this guy was adventurous to the nth degree um, he too came from Switzerland, but he was living with them for a period of time. And he was back visiting because his parents said, "You're you're you need to go where you can be wild." So they sent him over to Iceland to stay with them for a period of time, and he showed me these images of him kayaking down waterfalls, and I, I he he had this innate. I mean, I started following him on Instagram. It, it's just a different way of living. And I was so drawn to how how innate it is and how it's taught at such a young age um, or or allowed at such a young yeah, age. Yeah, because it's all their natural. That.
0: I think it's, it's natural that's their natural state and it's they're not our in our any way, way trying to shape it. It's all of our natural states. Yeah. And I have to tell you, Kate, I actually had a little bit of grief and guilt that week oh, because I was watching Una and her brother wild and running around and free and... And in this yoga studio, and even the mom did this gong bath for us, and Una was there making noise and making sound. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I own a yoga studio, and anytime my children are at the yoga studio, like I make sure they're in the office and they're quiet. And if there's a class, I'm always like, shh, don't make noise, don't make noise. And I thought how I've silenced them so often in my space, and how this family was not silencing their children, and how beautiful it was, and what an example it was that they were just allowing their children to be who they were. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's it's not just you; it's a cultural difference. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but I felt that too. I thought, boy, you know, a lot of times uh, my kids are older now, but um, how free did you know were they really? Yeah. There's a really interesting idea too that
0: um it's at age 10 that we start to internalize our formal training. And so like all of the socialization and the education and sort of the civilization that we're put through really kicks in at age 10. So like up until 10 we have all that wild instinct. It's our essence, it's who we are. And then we finally learn And then we start to become less of who we are. So they say, go back and look at like childhood pictures of you before the age of 10. Um, I think I've also read like 9, 10 is is sort of the age when you're most yourself. And then it starts to change. And I have a nine-year-old right now. And I can actually see her starting to notice and conform and become who she believes she should be versus who she really is and I'm like no but I also don't quite know how to go against the zeitgeist of all this formal training that we're all inoculated into
1: Um, yeah it's powerful right and it's as a parent I don't know that we have I think all you can do honestly as I look back is keep acknowledging the times where she is truly herself Right? Yeah. Keep pointing it out. Keep pointing it out. What makes her unique and what makes her special. What When she's being innately who you know she is, um, celebrate those times with her. Acknowledge those times to her and to others. Um, because the voice, you know, we listen so much to what others tell us, right? And if there's not that counterbalance, then I think that you do kind of, they, they tend to listen to the voices they hear the most. And that, in especially... For young women, I think that's why middle school is so hard. Junior high age, um, it, we it's it's a such a hard time for girls because we're all trying to be what we think we need to be um, versus who we are. Yeah, and I I really believe that's when it starts. Yeah, you're right. I think that's the age. So,
0: so the other thing that Una taught us during the week is Una taught us about elves. Yes, she did.
1: If you'd have told me that I would have elf knowledge in my life or um, be interested in elves and be be so fascinated I would have laughed. Um but I am truly fascinated by the culture of elves.
0: Yeah, so we have to talk about this because um it is it opened my eyes and I, I actually I think most of our group was so on board with it. So the people of Iceland totally believe in elves. And if you look around the landscape, like there's little houses built for the elves and they literally have a clairvoyant person who works for the government of Iceland because when they're doing projects like constructing roads, there are moments when things go wrong, like all the equipment breaks down or there are problems and it's because the elves are not happy. And so this clairvoyant who works for the government goes to communicate with the elves to figure out what they need. So this big road project that we were told about, um, yeah. everything was going wrong. And the clairvoyant said, well, it's because you guys are building this road through an elf cemetery. If you take the road this direction instead, it'll be fine. And so they listened to her and they did it and everything went yeah. smoothly.
1: I mean, they the clairvoyant will bring a basket of of goodies basically and leave them leaves it for the elves there's like an offering of like peace yeah um it is and and they embrace it and they Every, like most people in Iceland it's story yeah. after story
0: I asked Andreas our host about um when they were building their yoga studio if they had problems with elves and he said oh yes oh yes we had to work with the elves and so I think it was the next day I was teaching a class, a yoga class, and Andreas's wife was in the class that day, and it was really hot, so we opened the back door, and then all these chairs started to rattle, and I jokingly said, oh, must be the elves. She came up to me afterwards, and she was like, oh! Did you feel the elves? She goes, you acknowledged them. You said something about the elves. And so they were totally there. And I was, you know, I was a little dumbfounded. But what it, for me, boiled down to is that if you would press any of them, like, have you seen an elf? I don't think they see elves. But what they're aware of is that there is, there's like another sort of layer or level of existence They often call it even it's like the energy of the earth and they respect it and they listen to it and they want to engage with it in a way that's peaceful and cohabitate together. And so for all of us, I think the more stories we heard from the Icelandic people, we were all kind of like, oh, this makes sense. Like the Native Americans did this. They had connection with the the spirit of the land. And again, why has our culture lost Um, sort of this idea that there maybe are things that are unseen that we can't fully
1: yeah. There really is. uh, Yeah. I think there's an innate, I think we all have an innate ability to connect with our surroundings and, and a level of consciousness you can reach to do that. But we don't encourage that or embrace that in our culture. And there, the land, the land is really determined so much. And you make the conscious decision, I think, there to have a level of respect and um, kind of oneness with it that the people that live there have such a richer life because they're not, they're not, they're, there's not the tension, right? Um, there's there's a, a oneness with it. I remember someone there told me, we only take as much as we need. Right there's the c- culture here is more is more is more is better. Right, we're we're always, um, and and there no, it's just we we only use and take what we need. It was
0: that final restaurant we went to. We had this like magical farm. It was a farm we went to where the people who owned the farm made this fresh lamb and all this beautiful vegetables from their garden. And Andres was telling me. That like the average tourist or even the average Icelander would never be invited to this farm, nor would they ever cook. And the man who owned the farm was also an artist. He brought us into his artist gallery and a bunch of people on our tour <laughs> said, can I buy this? Can I buy your art? Um, but Andres said, you know, Americans think that they can just bring in their money and say, I'll pay a big amount for this experience and he said that doesn't work in Iceland so this farmer the only reason he does this is because I have a relationship with him and we are good friends and so he will open his home to the groups of people that I bring in but he wouldn't do this it doesn't matter how much you pay him he wouldn't do this otherwise and I was struck by that because again it kind of goes against our culture of like if you have money and power you can make things happen but that's not how it
1: works in that culture. Not at all. It very much felt like everyone, there There was an equality uh, among people there um, that I, I don't know that I've ever experienced in that way. It, you felt that. Um, everyone had equal rights, children and adults. Um, no matter your background, your sexual orientation, there was, it was visibly was visible to people coming there that, that there was equality that they celebrate, that they acknowledge, and, and it, it is not about power and, and money there. Um, I mean, they're, they use their natural resources in such a smart way, right? We saw that. Their internet is amazing. It's Iceland, and their internet is amazing. And there's hot water. Yeah, so there's all this hot
0: water because it's on a natural fissure where the hot water keeps coming up. And so you can have, you know, there's abundance, abundance of hot water all the time. They can't even use it all. Okay. So we had this amazing week. We had all these wild experiences. We were in the ruggedness of the land. We met all these amazing Icelandic people. We learned all these lessons. What do you think you took back from this? What did you bring back home? How did you shift or change?
1: I think I returned with a greater, um, Acknowledgement of my own free spiritedness and how I need to seek adventure. Um, And I can do that daily. It's out there. We just, I wasn't a seeker of it. And so I definitely came back with a freer spirit and tapped into my own sense of adventure. And um, I've found myself, you know, looking for opportunities to do that since I've been back. Um. And then I also came back really believing that living simpler is the way forward for me. So I appreciated just the simplicity of so many things there. And so I'll take that with me for a long time too. How about you? Yeah. I
0: think it was more of a transformative week than I probably even quite know yet, but my last morning there, so I'd finished all of the teaching, and um, I've taught many retreats and have learned that you hold space for people, and this actually was one of the hardest retreats for me, um, because I think because of the wildness of the the culture and the country and the weather that people were having a lot of intense experience. And so I was sort of holding that during the week. So I remember that last night I went to bed, I was relieved. Okay, I did it. Like it was a successful week. And I woke up the next morning and I did my normal meditation, which is just part of my daily routine. But this meditation was very different. I felt, um, like all this very soft energy around me. I felt um, a lot of um, ease around me and I sort of received this message that um, your life, what was the message? Let me think what the, it was sort of like your life will be changed forever from this point on, which, oh my God, that sounds like such a big, massive, right, message. But I kind of took it all in And, um, on my plane ride home, I hadn't really had time to journal because of the teaching responsibilities during the week. So I spent most of my plane ride home journaling and journaling and journaling. And I was reflecting a lot how I had been, um, very stuck in my life for a very long time. And, You know, this idea of being civilized and learning the rules, I mean, I went full force into that um, for many reasons from my childhood. But I became the ultimate rule follower and good girl and do the right thing and please the parents and please the culture. And so this week of just being really free and wild and giving permission to other people to be wild, um, I think was a major turning point for me. And, um, three weeks later to the day of that morning that I woke up and had this sense like things are really going to change. Um, I actually told my husband that I was leaving, that we needed to separate. And I think it's all connected in many ways to that week that there were a lot of insights that came through and the, the change that came forth through this is quite powerful because this this movement towards something different already has brought such positive change and energy into my life but into his life as well. So we're still on really good terms and we're, were kind of going into this with a lot of openness, but realizing we'd both been stuck in a lot of old patterning that wasn't helping him, it wasn't helping me, it wasn't helping our family, and that we really had to break open and change some things. So in some ways, this rewilding that happened in that week started to tap me into my true essence, my true nature, but I think I'm also giving him permission to do that same thing. So I don't know where any of it's going, but I do think sort of the seeds of it got sown in that trip to Iceland. Yeah.
1: You and I talked about that kind of a little bit up there, and I knew you were, I think, being in a place. I think that's the, the message maybe for today is when you do feel stuck, take yourself to a new place. Be, be open to adventure and uh, a new space because that's where the you can find the answers in the quiet um, and also the rain and the yeah the volcanoes and all sorts of amazing things but you you sometimes have to step outside of your normal comfort zone and, and to find the growth and the courage to take the next step that that you need to take and um, doing that with people that you care about and uh, can learn from uh, just makes that experience that much richer so yeah. I'm so I'm so, uh, you know, excited and also, um, in awe of your ability to kind of take that experience and, and, and make it the transformation that you needed to have at that moment to, to make a courageous yeah. decision.
0: Yeah. Well, the sacred is in the wild. So mm, yes. hence this, this podcast and many future conversations we have about how we can all continue to be more wild.
1: And now the amazing singer-songwriter Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like
0: this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.